Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. He's a Hall of Fame sports writer, broadcaster, an NCAA, NAIA, Olympic PA announcer. He's a podcaster. He's a historian. He's an archivist. And he's a wrestling nerd. Uh, Jason Bryant. Jason, how's it going, man? I mean, if, if, if that description wasn't perfect enough, I might copy that and put that on my Twitter profile because I think you nailed it. <laughs> for those of you unaware that is Jason Bryant's. No, it's not. Come on. <laughs> uh, I can't be that egotistical this early in the swimming community. <laughs> that was, yeah, no, that was all me. I did my research and, and, uh, and I nailed it on, on, on Jason's bio. Um, so, so Jason, we brought you in today, you know, you, you're a, you're an expert in the wrestling world. Um, but, but also you're an expert in, in, in the team's getting cut department. Um, and so we brought you in today as, as an expert on how, how college athletics is being affected by this COVID-19 pandemic, how, how they were being affected even before the pandemic started, because you've been doing this research for much longer than just the past seven months. Um, so give me, give me an update. Let's start with today. Uh, from your perspective, the state of college athletics, how are things looking right now? I guess just overall. Uh, it depends on your definition of the word bleak because the power five, the group of five, the, the everybody else outside of division one, there, there is a varying degree of concern depends on, okay, well, if you're a power five, how much, how much revenue do we lose? Well, that's a problem. If you're a group of five, well, we don't get these TV games on Wednesdays at four in the afternoon. And that's hyperbole. But, uh, and then if you're like a division two, II, division three, we'd be like, well, our enrollment's down. So we have to drop things. Cause when you, when you look at sports like wrestling and swimming, which are primarily enrollment drivers at some of the smaller programs or they get added because those, those kids come in, they want to swim, they want to wrestle. They, they pay tuition, especially the division three level. Uh, I, I think the model of, of college sports is a little jacked up. I think that the way the power five and the football and basketball contracts have been made to, to drive the, the card and then how the accounting always is different from one school to the next. There's no way you can put your thumb on, okay, revenue in revenue out. And you know, well, they, they, they don't make revenue. I hate the term non-revenue sports because it, it's almost an excuse to not care about them in terms of giving them the, the facilities or even the promotion they need to bring people in to be a revenue sport. So uh, with COVID right now, it's it's an excuse to get rid of sports schools didn't want or don't want to handle to begin with. They look at them as a drain on their department. Uh, you know, oh great, we got to go over to swimming. Our swimming facility is not up to date. We don't have a diving well. We we don't have this type of thing. Well, we don't need it because we can cut them now and blame our football revenue. So, I think this has opened up that that Pandora's box that 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 slippery slope of well, what would happen if? And right now. It's it's if you're not a football or basketball player at a division one institution, I'd really be scared to be honest with you, because we've already seen central Michigan drop below the, the men's required number 
for a two-year waiver. There's there's some legislation that was talked about with the NIL that kind of snuck in the uh, the minimum requirements no longer being a situation. So I think those are some of the things that are really really going to be problematic for those of us who who aren't six foot two, 250 pounds and can dunk a basketball or can run a four, four 40, but are pretty athletic overall. So I think it's, it's, it's the, you know, it's the caste system of college sports, which I've always called it that uh, it's those of us fighting over the scraps have to be worried because we're not given the full ride. We're not given the extra cost of attendance in a lot of ways. It's, it's about, okay, what's football got to do. And then what do we got to do to balance out football in terms of, you know, the, the compensation with, with title nine compliance and things of that nature. So again, Long answer to a short question. I think it's bleak, to be quite honest. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the answer you gave certainly bleak. And g- give me an idea of um, like a standard wrestling team. That's your specialty. You know, a swim team, men and women, you know, they can get uh, total. They can get 40 to 60 easily. Um, you know, obviously a pool, not a cheap facility to maintain. Um, you know, and, and I think you, you get something like nine full scholarships for, for men and women depending on the program, da, da, da. Um, what, you know, how big is a normal wrestling team? What are, what are costs of uh, facilities and upkeep there? Like, um, and, and, you know, why would a school want, why would a school want or not want to keep something like a wrestling team around? Well, the thing against a wrestling team up until recently was there was no female, uh, you know, you know, sport. There was no women's wrestling until most recently. I think it was in April, uh, if my timeline is, is correct. Women's wrestling is now an emerging sport uh, amongst all three NCAA divisions. The NAIA has it as an invitational sport, and they're probably going to be a championship sport soon once they clip that 40 school. So from a wrestling standpoint, and, and what made it tough is we were a sport that had no female equivalent. Um, our, you know, it was, it was one that travel because the way we've, we've dwindled to now, you know, under 80 programs, you look at it from a regional perspective. Okay. Who are we going to compete against the consolidation of conferences and conference realignment have taken conferences like the old colonial athletic association that used to sponsor wrestling and shuttle those teams with wrestling teams to other conferences, creating, you know, associate mm-hmm. members or affiliate members, which when you're looking at cutting a team, well, our sport our conference like conference USA, I went to old dominion. They dropped wrestling on April 2nd. Well, our conference doesn't sponsor wrestling. So that's an easy way to get rid of a program. Other things is it's typically when I say non-revenue, it's typically not a revenue sport because a lot of times they'll just roll out a mat, not charge any admission. And you're looking at 50 fans. When I was at ODU before the, the, the coaching arrival of Steve Martin back in 2005, we were at the ODU Fieldhouse. We never charged admission. We might get 50 fans a match, maybe. Sometimes we'd have uh, have a middle school state tournament running, and we put an ODU-NC State duel. I remember one time back, probably 2002, in the middle of it. Okay, there's 3,000 people watching a wrestling event in the middle of this tournament. But ultimately, they didn't really provide any any. I mean, if it's not worth paying it, well, I mean, if it's not worth paying for, is it really worth watching? That's kind of somewhere you can look at it. Or what's the value if you're just giving it away? So mm-hmm. there's, they didn't make any effort to even try to recoup uh, any, any, you know, gate receipts or whatever. Maybe it was more expensive to sit the, the student or the graduate assistant by a table with a money box than actually, you know, what they would bring in on it. So one of the things is they, they don't view it as a, as a revenue sport because they don't try to make any revenue. It's like, okay, so there's that. Then there's the coaching salaries. Well, what are you getting? What you're getting, you get a head coach, usually an assistant coach, uh, sometimes a third assistant, a grad assistant. You can, you can have four. Uh, the grad assistant can also be a volunteer assistant. You, you, you know, that there's ways to pay the volunteer assistant. They're not just doing it for free. 
So uh, right now the problem is okay. And then there's also the, 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 I don't know, there's an image issue sometimes with, okay, yeah, it's, it's a combat sport. It involves close contact. It involves sweat. It involves a singlet, which is not most visually appealing to a, somebody who's unfamiliar with the sport. Now I know swimming also deals with that with some of the swimwear on the men's side, but we look at what, what does all that bring to the university? Okay. Well, what do you do? Do you get an all American? Great. What, you know, there's, there's notoriety, or is there financial windfall? No, there's not. There's there's the notoriety you're an ESPN if you place, but uh, you know, looking at men's basketball is the only tournament that there's a payout to schools. So if you you finish third in the country, you get a trophy. That's great. Director's Cup points is a benefit to keeping it. But uh, again, the skin to skin contact, skin diseases, uh, things of that nature. When when you hear the word herpes, you automatically you think of the worst. Well, there's there's the other kind that that you know it's a communicable skin disease. There's ringworm and things of that nature that kind of make wrestling viewed in some circles as kind of a sport you'd rather not deal with other other situations are as wrestling coaches have a a i guess a i guess stereotype of being hard-headed abrasive and, and uncaring about the other stuff whereas now we've seen the coaches that we've got that are bringing their programs from the bottom of the top they're they're ceos they're they're on top of their social media they're taking care of that other stuff that the old old crew didn't really care for and then when it came time uh, back in back in the seven back when Title IX was instituted in seventy two, really enforced in seventy nine, that early eighties run when we saw a drop of a ton of men's programs, because schools didn't want to add women's programs to 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 meet that balance of Title IX compliance. Well, we've got no female equivalent. Let's just boot them. So uh, there are tons of benefits to wrestling about what it teaches. You know, a lot of the these kids are first generation college students. That's something university presidents love uses buzzwords about how many people they're bringing to campus that are first-generation low-income college students. I know Stanford has has beat that drum with the sports that they've been cutting. But uh, ultimately, there's, there's no reason not to have a wrestling program, but those are some of the reasons that uh, wrestling doesn't always get looked at in the most positive light because, uh, you know, uh, male athletes, let's let's admit it, there's a meathead quotient there. In wrestling, we have a pretty good meathead quotient there too, but I don't think that's any different from any sport. We're just a little bit more concentrated. <laughs> uh, so back back to the topic of teams being cut um you know you you've been looking into this for for long before the COVID-19 pandemic started do you have how would you say that, that this last six months you said it's an it's more of an excuse um but have we have we really seen more teams get cut than before uh, in these last six months well it's with looking at just the overall data from the NCAA participation statistics which they post annually the number of teams typically goes up each year. Now, if I can pull that up, if I got a participation thing, but while I pull that up, um, the participation number of teams typically goes up each year. Now I've, I've already tracked as of right now, um, this doesn't, this is all divisions, not just the NCAA, but we're down 376 teams as of right now, William and Mary just reinstated three or announced they were reinstating three. So that was up, was from 379. We've had 11 teams reinstated, but ultimately the participation data so if we look at general membership by year, we've got, you know, in 82, when they started tracking the data, we had seven, 752 schools. Now we're up to 1,300. So when teams are adding sports, well, we expect to see, you know, there's, there's a number. But this is the first time I, I will see that the numbers will go down because I'm pretty sure there haven't been 400 teams added since then. I know tracking, I track the wrestling ads. I haven't tracked every other, every other ad. But I think this is going to be the first year in some time uh, that we've got a – total number of, of NCAA sports teams lower than it was the year before. So um, 
I, without the exact number in front of me right now, I know that like, we'll look at the, the number of, of, of total members we've got, total number of teams, where are we at? All right, so we were at 2,983 teams. So we're going to drop that. You know, the year before we had uh, 2,978. The year before that, we gained 30. The year before that, we gained seven. The year before that, we gained 16. So there's been a growth rate of total total teams. And some of that goes with new members coming in, but also we're getting a lot of Division three ads because we're, we're Division two ads or schools that have reclassified from the NAIA. They're like, okay, we need students. We're going to add... We're going to add swimming. We're going to add football. We're going to go. We're going to add mm-hmm. wrestling. We're going to add women's wrestling. We're going to add swimming and diving, track and field, number of sports that bring it in. So normally these the, 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 the rise is coming from the smaller programs, not the Division One level. This year, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not abnormal to see Division One schools, a number of teams drop from one year to the next, but uh, not not quite like I've seen here. And I mean, that, that kind of leads me into my next question, which what, what are the differences that you've noticed, um, you know, why would a D1 team cut a program or add a program versus why a D2 or a D3 team are going to add or cut a program? Enrollment. Because when we look at University of Texas, we look at Florida State, we look at Alabama, we look at uh, schools in the ACC that don't have wrestling. Those are the schools like the wrestling fans say, we need a team in Texas. If Texas had a team, they'd be nationally competitive. With that, with that well, yeah, Texas doesn't need the enrollment there there's a wait list to get into texas there's a wait list to get in to georgia there's a wait list to get into these big power five schools because they're going to fill those seats no matter what if, if they're going to bring in 10 kids from out of state to pay 40 grand on a sticker price to offset the quarter of a ride they're getting you know the school would make money but guess what they're still going to get those students in those seats filled anyway so it doesn't make the school any money at a power five to add a wrestling team unless they they see a benefit in enrollment which uh, typically, if you look at the enrollment rates and acceptance rates of power five schools, they're not struggling for students overall. When you get to that group of five or you get to the the one triple A, the, the, the division one schools that don't have football, that's where you start looking at that enrollment component and be like, OK, well, we've got 50 empty seats here. We could add a, a track team and we could fill those 50 seats and half of them be out of state and the school makes money. While the athletic department ledger won't necessarily make money, the school will make money, which is a good thing for you know everything else that that surrounds the athletics. So, uh, part of that is is how they're they're budgeting. Where Division two and Division three, they're looking at it as as a whole thing. Whereas Division one, well, uh, we're, our budget, athletic budget, is losing money by having these these kids here. Well, you got the thirty walk ons paying full freight. That's that helps the school. It might it might not help this line item, but it helps this line item. So. Uh, the, the problem is, is that these these Division One institutions will do their their accounting differently, whereas the Division Three school goes, okay, we're non scholarship, so we need we need fifty new kids in the door or thirty new kids in the door. That's going to make an impact, and even if they they're offset by some some academic aid and, and and financial aid and grants and and academic scholarships, they're still getting money from those kids. Where if they didn't have a wrestling team, a swimming team, where they're missing out on that opportunity to bring kids to campus. And again, a lot of those presidents like that first generation college student in wrestling and women's wrestling, especially you're getting into minority communities that are first generation college students in a lot of places, especially down south, where you've got a lot of the Latino community coming from Florida, populating the NAIA women's schools in, in Tennessee and Kentucky and Georgia and such. So uh, the the benefit, you know, they just division one schools typically don't need the enrollment, whereas division two and division three, that's that's how they pay their bills as they get students paying the full freight or, you know, getting a little bit of a financial aid bit and, and getting a liberal arts degree typically. Yeah. 
So, uh, uh, so speaking of paying bills, you know, we before we started on this, we talked about uh, ways that that D one, D two, and D three schools can kind of start fundraising. Teams can start, uh, you know, being more self supportive so that their programs aren't getting cut. Um, we've, you know, I I know we've seen it a, a couple instances of this where um, you have swim teams that are endowed, obviously through through various forums. Um, you know, have you seen that in wrestling? Have you seen that in other sports where um, are you know? what ways have you seen be successful uh, to lead teams not to get cut? Well, we talk about endowing your program and, and usually that's the, the figure that gets thrown out when a school gets cut, the AD will turn around and say, give us $25 million. What doesn't cost $25 million to run the program. No, <laughs> they're going, no, to, we are, you want to bring it back? Well, we will fully fund it if you pay this much so we can now have that much for all the operating expenses. They, they basically go from, you weren't, you were barely funding it to begin with. So now you cut it to save, you know, six figures, low six figures or mid six figures. And then you say, okay, well now to bring it back, you need to fund it to the point that we were never going to fund it to begin with. So uh, the endowment is tricky. What I've seen some schools do is they've endowed the coaching position. So the head coach's salary is taken care of, which right. you And, and most division one coaches are creeping towards hundred K a year. There are still uh, some division one schools that are in that 60 to 70 range, depending on the type of school it is, the cost of living, the perks, et cetera. But you're not getting any seven figure coaches. For example, there's no million dollar a year wrestling coaches. There's some that are making that as total contracts, but ultimately when you endow the coaching position, well, that's, that's maybe say a safe figure. That's 150 grand a year. That's not, they don't have to pay out. So that is one way to do it. The, the ultimate way would be to endow the whole thing um, where you in wrestling, you talked about how swimming is broken up scholarship wise. Uh, wrestling is 9.9, .9, which is at the division one level which how many starting spots are there on a wrestling program? Do you know? I don't. 10. You cannot even fully fund your starting lineup. That's like having a basketball team with five starters and you can only give four of them full scholarships or okay. no, you, the, or the, or the, the, the power forward only gets like nine tenths of a scholarship, for example. And in wrestling, it's not like basketball or football or, you know, swimming. You guys have diff different events. The same swimmer can swim four, five, how many, what's four strokes mainly? For for yeah, four okay, strokes. So yeah. I, I don't want to sound like a complete swimming idiot, but I am a complete swimming idiot. Uh, you know, save my friends in college. But the you can you can take a, a free safety and make them a cornerback. You can somebody that can swim the free can do the fly. Uh, you know, wrestling you can't make a one forty one pounder, a one twenty one, one twenty five pounder. So you're gonna weight class sport. It's it's a it's an equivalency sport, and you you can't even fully fund your team. So. To the endowment, you'd need to fund 9.9 .9 scholarships at the Division One level. I believe Division Two is nine, and then you look at the you endow the coaching salary. That's the biggest chunk because scholarships are, are again that that uh, that's not a real cost at, at schools that need to fill seats. You're not sitting there that school. You're not that that's that seat does not cost you that actual money. That's not a hard cost. That's a hey, let's this is how much it's going to cost for the scholarship for them to go to school here if they were paying tuition. So you owe us this much. They look at it that way. And it's, it's again, funky bookkeeping and you know, fuzzy math. I think if anybody wanted a crash course and how not to, uh, to run a business, look at any college athletic department. Cause it's just <laughs> like, wait, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Like common sense gets thrown out the window, but uh, again, endowment is the best way to ensure you exist. And another thing is putting in, putting in, stipulations to that you cannot take this this cannot go from the general fund 
or to the general fund if you cut our team. The story with Notre Dame cutting it back in the, the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, was the, the program was endowed and the, the guy who endowed it passed away. And legend has it that Notre Dame talked the widow out of that endowment to go to the general fund, which meant wrestling was no longer covered and they could just hack wrestling. And well, guess what? Notre Dame, you're not going to win a fight between football and wrestling at a school like Notre Dame. Just like, you know, just like you're seeing it in any power fives. Well, wrestling doesn't bring in revenue. Well, Notre Dame, you took the money from wrestling to, I don't know, for whatever repaint touchdown Jesus for all I know. So it's, 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 it's tough, but you've got to make sure that those programs, your swim programs, all right, endow it. Although what sucks though, is like William and Mary, how many scholarships do William and Mary have? How do you endow something that doesn't cost anything? All those kids are paying tuition at William and Mary. And that's, that makes the school money. So even it, that's why I say endow the head coaching position would probably be the greatest way to start. Yeah. So, you know, we, we see a pro a case like William and Mary where it's like the, you know, from, from the, from the outside looking in this cut just made no sense at all. Um, mathematically, you know, it's the program was endowed. We we're, we we're just scratching our heads and then, uh, you know, and then, the women's team gets brought back because because it would have been a Title IX violation before it. I mean, um, for someone who has been looking at this for a long time, I mean, was was that just a, a, comparatively to other things you've seen? Was was that one of the biggest blunders you've ever seen? I mean, it just made no sense it, to the swimming community. It's definitely up there because you know there there has been this shift in ideology or thought when it comes to to men's athlete stances on title nine because back you know back when they first started enforcing it the easy way for these ad's to be in compliance they look at okay proportionality fine we just cut all these men's programs we don't want we don't want to pay for that way we don't have to pay for new women's programs and ultimately that scale started to shift where okay well we got more women starting to show up in colleges we're not okay yeah you can play basketball Okay, that's it. No, no, now, now soccer, lacrosse. I mean, there are more women's teams than there are men's teams, but, you know, because we've got large roster sports like football, uh, the numbers are, they, they look like what they are. So um, now we're seeing that the, the football myth is being exposed more and more about, you know, oh, it makes all the revenue, but you're spending all of that back on football. You're not actually, it's not real revenue if you're turning around and spending it again. So it's, you know, it's again, the accounting. So, when it comes to Title IX compliance, it used to be this hatred on proportionality because the easy way was to cut men's sports to get in line with it. And one thing that I had a problem with is is not the law because anybody that that objects to the law doesn't understand what the law was intended for. And I don't want I'm, I'm almost gone to the point where we don't really use uh, unintended consequences as much anymore because that was kind of a buzzword in the '90s about well you know Marquette had to drop wrestling there there are three scholarships well we will pay for them well no you can't because of Title IX it's like it, what drives me nuts is blaming Title IX is a fault of the AD. It is a fault of the athletic director and, and the department, because this has been on the books for how many years, 40 something, 50 something years at this point, enforcement has been really pushed in 79. And then another rush in, in the eighties where, you know, you, you'd see an ad, a rush of women's programs. But if you have a title nine compliance issue as a department in 2020, you have not been doing your job at all because that is part there's a title nine compliance coordinator at almost every school compliance i mean how does it affect title nine now every single cut involves title nine i'm not saying every single cut is because of title nine that's not what i'm saying when you have to make cuts okay budget cuts 
we have to look at, okay, what do we look at? Okay, we need to save $400,000. We can cut this, this, and this. Okay, are any of those sports women's sports if your enrollment is, is mostly women here and you have a football team? Well, yes. Okay, so we can't really cut the women's sports because you open yourself up for a Title IX issue or a lawsuit because if you drop a sport when you're already out of compliance, expect Arthur Bryant, the same guy who's representing folks at William & Mary, to show up and sue to get the women's teams back because you are already out of compliance. You cannot cut a team that is underrepresented to save money. So that's where you look at when you make a cut, how does it factor in gender equity? So that's where I say it's, it's involved in every discussion on which programs to cut. So if, if you're again, like William and Mary, you're cut, if you're already out of compliance and you cut women's teams expect to be sued. And that is a stupid, stupid, stupid thing because anybody who would have researched Arthur Bryant, who is again, representing the three women's teams, William and Mary, that's what he's been doing. And it's been proven. He did it at Northern Iowa. They cut men's and women's tennis. Guess what? Women's tennis is still there. I believe it was also men's and women's swimming. And I, I know they sued to keep the women's teams there. I'm not quite sure about Northern Iowa swimming situation, but I definitely know that the men's tennis team was gone and the women's tennis team stayed even after they tried to cut them both. So looking at this and having an understanding of what has happened in the past and repeating the same mistakes. Well, we're going to do this. Well, we cut the women. Well, we can now roster management. It's like you realize that roster management has been in, in, in use for 30 years. So you're always, you know, the wrestling teams at Hofstra, for example, gets capped at 22 Northwestern, I think is at 21. Whereas, okay. Then, and then then old dominion, the women's soccer team carried about five or six extra girls on the team, excuse me, extra uh, women on the team that didn't travel for road games. And they were just there, you know, you, it works both ways. You pad the roster one way, you drop the roster the other. So when, it, when an athletic director in a school, like, like we were married, they may, they got to cut seven. Okay. You're financially in trouble. Look at your numbers before you cut. And that was a gaff. And now it's now they, they look bad. Their AD has resigned. And but the question is, is who fights for the men again? And that's kind of one of the things where we we struggle with Title IX is when women's teams were saved, we were left out in the cold. And I say we as, as, as a collective, because um, it's not like I'm saying this is the women didn't deserve to come back either. No. What happens was, is we got cut because you were putting money elsewhere and not getting a return on your investment, you had to cut the wrestling, the wrestling and swimming teams aren't bleeding your budget dry. It's bad access, excess and spending elsewhere. That makes you think you're going to win money. I mean, how many people need to stay in hotels the day before a game? Oh, college students, they think it's animal house, which drives me nuts. I realize I'm going off on a little bit of a rant here, but back to the, the to, to bring it back to your point, it was stupid. And the woman lost her job, quit her job because there was so much blowback and then to realize there's a lawsuit coming and guess what? Lawyers aren't cheap. I mean, guys like Arthur Bryant make their living off of this type of stupidity and you, you, know, you just made his year. So it's just, it's like, and wait a minute, I grew up 20 minutes from there. So I like, I have, I've, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the tribe, even though they were a rival college. So, and, and it's a, it's a great time. Williamsburg's a great place. It's a great education and just, you know, I think the biggest screw up was just ripping off Stanford's press release more than anything else. That was probably <laughs> the one with the honor code at a school like William and Mary. But uh, to, 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 to rein my rant in before I lose anybody is Title IX impacts every decision because you have to look at the numbers before you make a cut. Um, now we know that the excesses that some of these sports are getting are bleeding these departments dry. And it's the funny accounting that says, OK, well, guess what? We can't afford swimming. What do you mean you can't afford swimming? How much are you paying a football coach? Well, they bring in all the revenue. Do they really 
Or are you just making it, you know, playing that shell game with, you know, okay, yeah, you're carrying 30 walk-ons when you're getting 85 scholarships at the Division One level, 63 at one AA, so, or FCS, as the alphabet soup tells us. So, just, I, I think people are over the myth. They realize that, okay, well, if they're spending all this money on football, they're really not making all that money on football if they're just throwing it away to start with to, to you know, give the recruits on their recruiting trips a bigger meal that costs thousands of dollars for a recruiting trip. So uh, there's wasteless, there's, there's reckless spending and wastefulness at the division one level. And if, if they, they curtailed it and, you know, if they, do we need 85 division one football scholarships? I don't think so. If FCS is fine with, with 63, why is an FBS fine with 63? Guess what? That's what ultimately I believe cost ODU its wrestling team is you had to add 22 more scholarships. Well, they added the women's volleyball team. They were still out of compliance. Well, we got to hack wrestling because we jumped too fast to the big boy football and went one and 11 last year. So yeah, that paid off really well for my alma mater. <laughs> so I, that's, that's kind of a good, I think that's a good way to wrap up our conversation is you you're talking about, you know, there's all this senseless spending. There's easy ways from the outside looking in that you could cut, you know, cut money here, give money here, not have to just, hack these sports teams and senselessly, you know, end these athletes careers or, or at least at, at certain universities. Is there anything for, from your experience, you know, the common, the, the common dude, like you or I, who isn't involved, you know, I'm not an AD, I'm not involved in collegiate spending, like, but, but what would you recommend someone can do to initiate change in this so that maybe we can, can see spending, uh, you know, a little more, a little more quality in this spending. The hardest part, well, you're not going to get D one football teams to stop spending money because they have to keep up with it. And, and what drives me nuts is when we see these cuts like Fresno state drops three sports lacrosse women's lacrosse was barely 10 years old. They just brought wrestling back three years ago and then they hacked tennis. And, and if I'm looking at my numbers real quick, I'm, I'm counting just four year schools here. Uh, tennis has lost like, you know, 60, 60 something, 68 teams, 59 of them are at four year colleges and universities at division one, division two, division three of the NAIA. So, you know, yeah. looking at just the four year universities with swimming and diving's lost 18, uh, you know, tennis has been wrecked. Soccer's lost 23. Um, a lot of those are from, from school, you know, there's some schools closing that have also, uh, impacted this. I mean, cross countries lost 26. Well, you get your indoor track has lost teams. They haven't actually lost athletes because they keep their outdoor, they lose their indoor, but to raise mm -hmm. the money and look at the spending, you have to realize these sports don't cost anything. When these kids come in and they're barely, you're, you're not fully funding them. You, you what do you pay your cross country coach? 50 K a year, maybe uh 60 K, you know, that's a sport that has no spectator base because you literally run outside. So what, what I think to get it to stop spending, I don't know it because the NCAA is the collection of the university presidents. It's not the actual, you know, the people that work in Indianapolis, they work for the, for the university presidents who make the decisions and, you know, dictate the rules and such. We've seen that with the amateurism and the NIL and all that stuff. We seeing, you know, that really goes nowhere fast. I think the best way is to just look at, you know, fund it. So, I mean, try to find a way to set up a, a way to endow at least the head coaching position, uh, that way, it, it's a lot tougher to 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 say, oh well, we're 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 saving 400k. Well, we get this much a year on this endowment that pays for that, so we're only losing what you're you're gonna. Where's that money gonna go? No, make sure that that goes back to the people who contributed. Don't put that to the university's general fund because, yeah, 
you, I am proud of, I'm, I'm proud of where I went to college. I had a great time. There are people, there are professors there and, and courses there and athletes there that were dear friends for life. I just hate what its leadership has done. And like I said, that leadership's going to eventually be gone and maybe they can come back and we can get what was, what was taken away from us given back. And I think a lot of sports are like that. So if, if the money is everything. So if you you engage your alumni, find those people that, really they had a great time that are that that was like maybe the guy that barely swam a race but was on the team that's making you know almost seven figures on wall street i mean and things like that those these programs and it's the people that save these programs aren't the stars they're not the ones that are all americans and national champions those they're the ones who got something out of their college experience because i don't even know if we even qualified anybody for the for the ncaa swimming championships when i was at odu but i you know how many of those people are swimming coaches in the area in Hampton Road. Same with William and Mary. I mean, there, you know, you go to Williamsburg swimming club or what I believe that's the name of it up there. They're all tribe alumni. And, and you look at that and then down in Norfolk, they're mostly old dominion alumni that are there. And those are the ones that are teaching our kids to, to, to fall in love with track, to fall in love with swimming, to fall in love with wrestling. So to save these programs is key, not just for the school that we have them, but for who your coach was my high school wrestling coach, Never went to the state tournament as a high school wrestler. He wrestled and was a backup at Old Dominion. Well, I got into the sport of wrestling through him as a teacher. So, you know, that's what we got to realize is that, you know, funding a program is more than just, you know, winning conference titles or, or getting the fastest time or qualifying for nationals or, or, you know, things of that nature. It's about what the sport does for, for kids. It's teachers. We're, we're in sports that we get a lot of teachers come from. And, you know, we're in education because there's no pro sports for us. I mean, we're not all freaks like Michael Phelps. You know, that's that's a generational type of talent right there who, you know, with this. I mean, how big are his feet? They're like 19s or something. But I mean, we look at those type of things to, to so to keep our programs around, to keep our high school coaches around, to keep our college coaches around. We've got to at least find a way to organize right now they're looking to cut anything for any time so if, if the best time to have that meeting was yesterday the second best time is to have it is today so if you want to keep your sport around you have to pay for it because you know what we're all handout sports now because we're not baseball or excuse me we're not basketball and football we got to look at it if we're not one of those two we have to find a way to pay for ourselves and as fair as or unfair as that may seem, if we look at it, well, you're paying, you, you know, the women's sports don't have to raise money to do this, but the men's sports do get over it. It's a fact of life. You're going to have to raise the, raise the money for the sports you want to keep. And then you have to make sure that they're going to be willing to keep those sports. And if they don't take your money back. So uh, that, that's, what's another mini rant about, about funding. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I can tell you're passionate and it's hard. It's hard. Like you said, you, you grow up in a sport and you have mentors and you have teachers who inspire you to go out and, and, and chase your dreams. And eventually you become one yourself. And, and then to see, um, to see these institutions just hacking left and right, these programs that we grew up in, grew up through just, just, just to fund football, right? <laughs> Essentially that's what it is to fund football and to bring money into the institution. It's like, you know, it's that it, myth it seems that like football funds morals. those other sports and that, you know, that might be the case at a few places, but you know, a hundred and something division one, a or FBS teams, you know, less than, you know, the, the power fives might make money. That is that's, that's like just such a low percentage of all of division one football. So just sit there, well, football pays for the other sports. No, it doesn't. 
It doesn't. Maybe at Georgia or Alabama, maybe. But it, it really doesn't because when you look how much – if you didn't spend anything on the extras, the excess, how much money maybe that could pay for it. It's the excess that they're spending that, 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 that could be put back to the athletic fund that could be – you know, you add another sport. Maybe you add, maybe if you're in, in the power five, you add a couple non-scholarship sports. Guess what that does? That brings some, that, that enrollment in there. But again, back to the point is like, they don't need the enrollment. So they don't care. I mean, Texas, I believe we had meetings with them and said, yeah, here, we'll pay for your team. And they're like, no, thanks. Cause there's, there's also that term selective excellence. You know, the mm-hmm. minimum is 16. That's the line. Now the, the bar isn't about being broad based and providing opportunities to draw a diverse student body. The, the bar is that's the minimum. That's where we're going to be. And if you're not one of the six men's sports, and usually if you're a runner, you've got indoor, outdoor, and cross country. So that right there, one athlete's counted three times in some cases if you're a distance runner. So then you got football, basketball, baseball, where you try to get to be that sixth sport. You're usually you're putting wrestling against baseball or soccer. I mean, those are the three sports ODU was looking to cut, baseball, soccer, or wrestling. Which one, which one was the problem? And it goes back to that conference alignment. When they moved from, from the CAA to Conference USA, they displaced five or six conference teams to affiliates in other conferences. So, you know, I mean, you make these decisions, say we don't have a conference. Well, that's your fault. The biggest problem I think I've really had with like Old Dominion's example is the decision-making process screwed over the athletes. And it was not the fault of the kids. It, you know, it's like, okay, we, we made mistakes. We lost money here. The Cox bill came through that limited student fees. And now we want to go big boy football. And we went one 11 and we built a new stadium. Okay. Wrestling. That's your fault. You're done. It's like, it, it's through no fault of their own. And that's the biggest thing with like, with the swimmers and the wrestlers and the soccer players and the gymnasts, uh, men's gymnastics is lo- losing more programs. They're on life support. And it's to know that the, the, the mistakes of the administration gets taken out on the student athletes most of them athletes who aren't even who are paying to go to school there these aren't necessarily the full scholarship athletes that are take that are paying the price for this it's those who are paying to be there and have that opportunity and and you say oh well you're you're free to transfer yeah thank you i have to uproot my life because you think oh well you, you your scholarship's honored here i came here to swim oh i get to stay well i don't get to swim competitively well you could start a club well you you closed our pool uh, you know, it thinks there's so many different things that the people that don't get it will will retort with that that are that are just not not dealing with what the non-revenue sport, the Olympic sport athlete deals with. We're we're paying to go to school there. And I say this, I was not an athlete, but I lived with athletes in sailing and wrestling during my time at ODU. So I've seen it. And I and I've seen, you know, the full scholarship athlete. Wow, that guy's got that kind of car. Wow, they're, wow, they're basketball, yeah, basketball player. Uh, well, we're, we're out of toilet paper. We're going to go in the locker room and get the paper towels. You know, it's like, you know, there's, there's a clear divide on the haves and have nots at every school. It's a caste system. And, and we got to realize that those decisions to fund the, the full, the full scholarship athlete who may never play a snap is being pitted against the, the hardworking swimmer who's trying to just qual- get a time to qualify for nationals who might've gotten books to go to school there because that was their best. They wanted to compete in division one. So, uh, you know, there's so many different moving parts to why, why do we suffer? And I don't want to play the pull this victim mentality here is because, you know, we can, we can pay for our teams. We got to do it now, but to sit there and make those decisions and the athletes you're impacting are ones that don't have anything to do with those decisions. They're the ones you're cutting them. You're getting rid of their opportunity to go to college. And, you know, it, it, it really bothers me because there's opportunities for these kids that, that they, they, who knows wrestling might've saved them. Swimming might've saved them. Lacrosse might've saved them. 
and you, you take away that opportunity and you, you really leave a bad taste in their mouth about the sport. And guess what? My, my, my donations to set alma mater are, are done until there's a leadership change. It's hard because I, I, I don't want to see them. The athletes suffer. Uh, you know, I still want to watch them win, but I, I don't want to see them win in spite of the department. So it's that weird line you, you play when you have a sport cut. Do you love the school? Do you hate, you know, you don't root for them to lose. I can't see myself ever rooting for VCU in anything. That won't happen, but I don't really wish them success until they get their comeuppance, so to speak. So, a little, I mean, I don't know if it's vindictive to think that way, but I'm still pretty bitter about it because we didn't do anything wrong to get this. And swimmers are saying that everywhere. Wrestlers are saying that everywhere. It's just... It, it sucks. And, I, you know, fund your programs now, I guess, is the best thing we can say about all this. Well, Jason, I, I mean, that seems like a good note to end on. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, like, like he said, fund your programs. Uh, listen to the podcast. Listen to listen to Jason's advice. And, and you know, it's, Olymp- it's a tough time for Olympic sports right now, especially in the NCAA, but hopefully hopefully we're going to pull through and, uh, and do our best to, to fund these programs. But again, Jason, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, and if you want to keep up with uh, the, the cuts that are happening, I've got a chart that's sortable and searchable at matttalkonline.com slash COVID sports. That is updated every time there's a drop. Um, if, and I've had people reach out that are looking to do data for, for doctorates and, and, and master's degrees and stuff like that. And, and if you need some of that data to do something academically, or you're doing a story, reach out to me, I'll provide you the raw data and things of that nature. I've, I've got it out there as it is right now for an informational base. That way we're not, the media out there doesn't have to use bad stats basically, because there's, there's people keeping track that are missing things. And I've tried to do a pretty good job at, at tracking everything I can. And it's not just been me. I've gotten some help uh, through, you know, parents of baseball players have, have sent me messages, other writers, there's people from the AP and Sports Illustrated that are helping out. So uh, it, it's a pretty big effort. Uh, but again, matttalkonline.com slash COVID sports is where you can get all of that information. I'm on Twitter at Jason M. Bryant. And yeah, willing to talk about this with anybody. I get, like, as you as you hear, I get pretty fired up talking about it because, uh, you know, why, why are they taking it from us? But uh, that's, again, that's my parting shot. So, You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.